Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, this Advent season has been a kind of Isaiah feast. We've been reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and the images he gives us are very powerful. The first week of Advent, we heard of God's holy mountain, that place where all the tribes go up, where they beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, a symbol of the unity around the Messiah. Last week, we heard of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, those powers of mind and will and soul that come with the Messiah. This week, we hear of the blooming desert, another wonderful Advent theme. Listen now. The desert and the parched land will exult. The steppe will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. That's the prophet Isaiah. Christians, the biblical authors knew all about the desert. They were desert people. They knew about the rigors of it and how often in the biblical text the great heroes move through a desert time. Abraham has to cross the desert to get to the promised land to which God has called him. Moses and the Israelites have to pass 40 years in the desert before coming to the promised land. Joseph, sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt, has to go through a terrible desert period in prison under the burden of false accusation. John the Baptist in the New Testament, he's a voice crying in the wilderness, a man living in the simplicity and rudity of the desert. Paul, after receiving the vision of Christ on the road to Damascus, spends three years in the Arabian desert. Jesus himself the 40 days and nights before he begins his public ministry are spent in the desert. What is it about the desert? What does the desert accomplish? Well, a lot of things. It can be a confrontation with one's own sin, a confrontation with one's own dark side. The desert, too, can be a place of simplification, Strip down. A time when we set new priorities. Whatever the desert means, it's always a time of waiting. And waiting painfully. Nothing fun about the desert. Nothing exuberant about it. It's a painful, difficult waiting time. But it's precisely in and through the desert, that all these people become the great figures they become. Abraham becomes the father of many nations, 
after he's gone through the testing of the desert. Moses becomes the great leader of his people precisely in, through, and because of the desert. Joseph becomes the vizier of Egypt and the savior of his own people because of the chastening he went through. John the Baptist, because of his years in the desert, becomes the forerunner of the Messiah. Paul becomes the prophet to the Gentiles. Now go back to Isaiah's image. Listen again. The desert and the parched land will exult. The steppe will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers. Those who know, who live in a desert environment, know this phenomenon, that the desert, barren and sterile and brown, once it receives winter rains, can suddenly bloom, can bloom overnight. Suddenly the desert's covered with flowers, often in very bright colors. That's what Isaiah has in mind here, the blooming desert. Spiritually, the lesson's clear. Sometimes it's only through the rigors of the desert that we come to flower as the servants of God. We've got to go through the desert time. Religiously intentional people do it in a very conscious way. Most of us have to be dragged through it. It's the only path to the full flowering of the self. Several years ago, I knew a woman who was passing through a time of terrible depression. Depression, you know, is a kind of epidemic in our country. Millions of people suffer from it. Are there causes to it? Sure. Physiological, psychological, environmental, all kinds of reasons why people fall into depression. But whatever the cause, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible state. It's as though one's life shuts down. It's as though all the energy for life is suddenly drained. Nothing interests you. Nothing energizes you. Depression. It's a desert period. Well, this woman I knew was going through this terrible suffering. And she came to me, after seeing a number of people, counselors and psychiatrists, she came to me to get a spiritual take on it. You know what I had her do? I had her read through many of these desert texts in the Bible, the very stories I was just referring to. Read through them. Move into those spaces that Moses, Joseph, Abraham, Paul, John the Baptist were in. And to track how God was moving in their lives, using the desert to bring them to full blooming. She eventually came out of this period Terrible, harrowing, yes, it was. But in time and with counseling and therapy and prayer and waiting, she came out of it. Now she is blooming. Now she herself is a psychological counselor, specializing in working with depressed patients. She's taken that very experience she had of terrible suffering in the desert, and she's allowed that to produce blooming in her, the blooming of life and love and purpose. Sometimes we see it. Sometimes we see the desert blooming. 
Last week I preached a homily at the funeral mass of my hero. Monsignor Bill Quinn was one of the great Chicago priests of the last century. Bill lived to be about 89. He was born in 1915. He did so many things. Bill was active in the Catholic Action Movement back in the 40s and 50s. Young Christian students, young Christian workers, the Christian Family Movement. He helped to found the Precana, many of the most vibrant works in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He was behind them. He also was at Vatican II. Bill was a liaison between the American bishops and the Latin American bishops. And there he was at Vatican II, playing a very important role. In the years after the council, he came home, became very active in the civil rights movement. He marched with Martin Luther King to Selma and to Washington. He was good friends with Cesar Chavez, the organizer of the California farm workers. Bill was pastor for 20 years of St. Eulalia Parish in Maywood. There he tried to bring together black and white in a very vibrant community. He was a great man, wonderful priest. I met him when I was a very young, newly ordained priest, and he was newly retired. And Bill poured into me all that wisdom and energy and experience. His desert came late. When Bill was in his 80s, he went through a terrible series of setbacks in health ended up in a nursing home, St. Benedict's home, for the last five years of his life. He was glued to his bed, could barely speak, could barely move. Here this great soul who once traveled the world, accomplished all kinds of wonderful things, full of spiritual energy, for the last five years went through a desert and Bill died two weeks ago. Did I see the blooms coming from that desert? Not clearly. You don't always see them. Where were the flowers in his case? I'm not sure, not clear. But he was forced to go through that period, like so many of the great religious figures. What's God up to? Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. But this dynamic remains clear the spiritual necessity of the desert. The key to it, the clue to reading it, comes from our second reading, the letter of James. Listen now. Be patient, my brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer awaits the precious yield of the soil. He looks forward to it patiently, while the soil receives the winter and the spring rains. Boy, there's so much packed into that image. There's so much packed into it. The farmer, the cultivator, it's planted seeds. They'll grow in time. How long will it take? He doesn't precisely know. How's it all working? He doesn't precisely know. But he waits for the winter and the spring rains. Just about a week ago here in Chicago, we had some winter rains. I don't know about you, but for me, that's about the worst kind of weather. It's worse than snow. Snow has certain redeeming qualities to it. But you know when it's 
cold, it's dank, and that winter rain is pouring down on you. You don't want to be anywhere outside. It's the worst kind of weather, the most depressing kind of weather. The farmer waits for the winter and spring rains. Why? Because only in that way will that seed buried deep in the soil, that seed which is originally so unimpressive, only in that way will it flower, will it bloom. How? I'm not quite sure. How long? Not quite sure. But we must go through this time of endurance, this time of desert, if we are to expect the bloom. What's the worst thing a farmer could do? Pick at it. Pick at the soil. Pick at the seed. Trying to urge it along. Not tolerate the winter and spring rains. The worst thing the farmer could be is impatient. Hence, twice, James tells us, patiently he waits. Be patient, brothers and sisters. Advent, time of waiting, time of preparation. Maybe you, listening to me, are going through a desert time. Depression, failure, deep anxiety, fear, self-reproach, whatever it is. Maybe you're going through the desert right now. What's the spiritual stance? This great confidence that God can make deserts bloom. And in fact, sometimes the bloom only comes after and through and because of the desert. What do you do in the meantime? With patient prayer, you wait. While God, in his deep mystery, works on you to cultivate you. Keep that image of the blooming desert in mind as this Advent season comes to a close. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.